the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Lord, bless our worship for the sake of the kingdom and for the sake of our peace. In his name, amen. When you're young, they pester you. When you're young, they would say, you don't sing a Christmas hymn during the Advent season. But when you're old, they just leave you alone. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping whom angels greet with anthems sweet, while shepherds watch our keeping. I want to sing it because that's what I want to talk about. What child is this? Matthew 27, beginning of verse 16. Matthew 28, beginning of verse 16. Forty days now after Jesus' resurrection is time for him to ascend up into heaven. The eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them to go. And when they saw Jesus on the mountainside, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came into their midst and he said to them, both the ones who believed and the ones who doubted, he said to them, All authority in heaven and all authority on earth has been given to me by God. Therefore, since I have this authority, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, Jew and Gentile, male and female, slave and free, teaching them to obey everything you have heard from my lips. And then this promise, surely I will be with you always. You're going to see me ascend up into heaven momentarily, but surely... I will be with you always to the very end of the age. When the angel had come to Mary so much earlier, 33 years earlier, he had said to Mary, you're going to call his name Jesus because he'll have one purpose, to save his people from their sins. Joseph, a short time later, has a dream And the angel comes to Joseph and says to him, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child she bears is the Son of God. And then the angel said, His name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. It is 33 years later he is ready to ascend up into heaven, and he is giving credence to the name the angel had given him 33 years earlier. The angel said, Emmanuel, God with us. And Jesus, before he ascends up into heaven, says to his disciples, I, Emmanuel, will always be with you. When it says here that they worshipped him, it means they literally fell prostrate at his feet. That's what it meant to worship in those days. 
33 years ago when we were talking about this new sanctuary, one of the great discussions was to whether to have kneelers in the church. The old church had kneelers. You knelt down during the confession of sins, and you knelt down before you came up for communion. We decided not to have kneelers. In the Bible, when it says they worshipped Jesus, it meant they knelt down in his presence. In many a culture today, when a king or a queen enters a room, a prince or a princess, when someone of royalty enters the room, what do the people do? They kneel or they bow in reverence to that authority that has come. That is what they did in Jesus' day. You look at one of the ten lepers, The one who, when Jesus said, how can I help you? The one who said, inwardly or outwardly, I want you to heal me. And when he was healed, he comes running back. And what does he do? Does he go up to Jesus, shake his hand and say, thank you very much? He kneels down at his feet in the act of worship. And he praises him and he thanks him. Jesus has appeared at least three times, maybe more. He has at least appeared three times in the 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension into heaven. And every time he appears, the faith of the disciples grows ever stronger. First appearance on that Easter in the evening. And he comes into the room where the disciples are terrified And he doesn't knock on the door, he just is there in the room. And they see him and he declares himself to be Jesus, the one risen from the dead. They see his hands and his side and they say, my Lord and my God. Thomas comes a little bit later, they tell Thomas what has happened. He said, don't believe you, I have no evidence as to what you are saying is true. One week later, Jesus appears a second time. Thomas is there, puts his hands in the nail prints and in his side. Thomas sees it, he says, my Lord and my God. There's a third time a man is standing on the beach. The disciples have been fishing all night. When they come in, the man says, did you catch anything? They said, not, didn't catch anything. The man on the beach and they don't recognize says to them, go back out, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. They catch so many fish, the nets break. John turns to Simon Peter in the boat, and he said, I'm going to tell you something, Simon. That is Jesus on the beach. Simon Peter wraps his robe around him, jumps into the water, swims to Jesus, says, my Lord and my God. They had not seen Jesus for a while. He says, I want you to come to this mountain in Galilee. It's time for the ascension. And when they come, they kneel down and worship him. But some doubted. And if that doesn't take the air out of the balloon, I don't know what does. They fall down and worship him, but some doubted. I wish I knew who it was. Was it Peter? Was it Nathaniel? Was it Thomas again? I wish I knew who the some were. And if you look it up, uh, 20 different theologians will give you 20 different answers. But some 
doubted. There are a couple of places in the New Testament when I look at a verse and I wince a little bit because of the awkward way it appears that that verse ends. One of these occasions, Matthew 6, is the gospel for last week, and I winced. Matthew six twenty-five, Jesus says to his disciples, I don't want you to worry. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or what you're going to wear. Look at the birds, look at the flowers, God takes care of them. And then in verse 33 he says, When you wake up in the morning, seek the face of God. Let the first thing you see be the face of God, not some trouble, not some virus, not anything else. When you wake up in the morning, see the face of God. Seek first his kingdom. And then he ends by saying, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In the King James Version, each day has enough evil of its own. <laughs> and I always say, don't end there. Tell us the rest of the story. Tell us that you're going to be with us. Each day has enough trouble of its own, but in parentheses, I'm going to be with you. In John 16.33, that is exactly what he does. In John 16.33, literally says the same thing he says in Matthew 6. He says to his disciples, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to go on the cross tomorrow, I'm going to tell you this now. In this world there will always be storms, but he doesn't end there. In this world there's always going to be evil coming against you, but he doesn't end there. John 16, 33, he says, In this world, always trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I've overcome the evil. I've overcome Satan. Mark 16, verse 11. It talks about the resurrection of Jesus. Pastor Shower and I never read it for Easter. Have never read this portion of the Easter accounts. Here's what Mark 16 says. When Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to Mary Magdalene, out of whom Jesus had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and were weeping because he had died. She told them, I've seen him risen from the dead, but they did not believe her words. Later that day, Jesus appeared to two others. They returned and told the disciples who were in hiding, but the disciples did not believe their words. You realize why we don't read that particular portion out of Mark, because it ends on such a sour note. He was risen from the dead, he was declared to be alive, but they didn't believe. But not for long. Not for long. Give them to the end of the day. Give them another ten hours. And that's when Jesus appears. And it's not Mary Magdalene telling him it. It's not two disciples telling him. It's Jesus telling them, Here I am. And guess what? Every single one of them, all ten, believed. They saw him. 
And the one who wasn't there, Thomas, one week later, Thomas saw him, and Thomas believed. They needed the evidence. And when they had it, they believed. Matthew 28, 17. They worshipped him, but some doubted, but not for long. Not for long. Give them ten days. Fair enough. Give them ten days. Give them to Pentecost. Where Jesus says, stay in Jerusalem, Acts 1.8. Stay in Jerusalem until the power from on high comes upon you. And when it comes upon you, none of you are going to be doubting. You're going to be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Samaria, to the other ends of the earth. Whatever doubts you have in ten days. They will be gone. And on Pentecost, what happens? Evidence. Try tongues of fire sitting on people's heads. Try the rush of a mighty wind like a hurricane coming into a room with 120 people standing there. And try these disciples speaking in other languages. The evidence before that day is over, Simon Peter is standing in a synagogue. The one who 50 days earlier was hiding in the upper room, every time the stairs creaked, every time a mouse scampered through, they were petrified they had been found and they're going to be killed. 50 days later, Simon Peter is standing in front of the murderers of Jesus. And he's saying, you murdered him, but God raised him from the dead. And when he left the platform and went off to the side, they grabbed him by the arms, they looked him in the eye, they shook a finger in his face, and they said, if you ever pull that stunt again, if you ever preach about Jesus again, we will execute you. What did he say? Acts 4.12. Can't stop talking about him. There is salvation in no other name given to men whereby we must be saved. And you know the story, that every one of those disciples ended up dying for the faith. Some crucified, some killed by the sword, other ghastly means of their execution that I won't describe from the pulpit, but it's there in the Bible. Everyone ends up dying for their faith, except John who legend says was thrown into a pot of boiling oil, and when he struggled because of the pain and knocked the pot over and was spilled upon the ground, the people standing there said, the gods don't want him dead. They send him to the island of Patmos, and it's there that he writes the book of Revelation. Doubt is mentioned often in the Bible. Fear is mentioned often in the Bible. Doubt is a natural reaction. Jesus walking on the water in the midst of the storm. The disciples see him walking. All of a sudden they're more terrified about him than the storm. They say it's a ghost from Hades sent to bring us down under the waters. It's a ghost. 
Jesus said, Not as in I am the Lord walking to you on the water. Simon Peter says, Don't believe you, I need evidence. Tell me to come walking to you on the water. And Jesus said, Get out of the boat, Simon, put your feet on the liquid surface and come walking to me. John the Baptist, Pastor Shower, read about him. Central figure of the Advent season. The beginning of his ministry, he says about Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He says what Pastor Shower read. He said, I'm not worthy to loose the thongs of his sandals. When Jesus says to him, I need you to baptize me, John says, you know, that's not going to happen. I should be baptized by you. John the Baptist is declaring him to be the Son of God. He is standing there after the baptism, watching the dove come down, watching God say, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. He listens to all of this. Months later, he's in prison. He spoke against Herod Antipas. And as he's sitting there in prison, week after week, month after month, he's hearing the inside stories about Jesus. His disciples are coming, and they're saying, Jesus had a thousand people today in the synagogue. Jesus had 5,000 people following him. Jesus had 10,000 people on the mountainside. And John the Baptist is sitting there thinking, he's supposed to be the suffering servant, And he's got all this glory coming to him. Thomas sends two disciples, says to Jesus, Did I make a mistake? I'm having my doubts. Are you the Messiah or should we be waiting for someone else? And you remember what Jesus said. He said, you go back and you tell John that the deaf hear, the blind see, the crippled walk, and the good news is preached to the poor. You tell John of these miracles, and he will understand that only God can do these miracles. And then you tell him, I just don't do the miracles I preach the good news, salvation, forgiveness of sins through the Lord Jesus Christ. We need evidence. Whether it's the secular realm or the spiritual realm, we need evidence. That's why you have trials and retrials. That's why detectives come and talk to as many people as they can. What did you see? What did you hear? John wrote this. Jesus did many other miracles not recorded, but these are recorded that you might have evidence that he is the Son of God, and by believing have life in his name. Evidence. Simon Peter wrote 30, 40 years after Jesus Death and resurrection. Coming toward the end of his life, he writes, I want you to be very clear about this. We did not follow cleverly invented miser tales. We were eyewitnesses of Jesus' majesty 
We saw it with our own eyes. And we believed. If you wonder whether someone loves you, they will prove it by their actions. Either yes or no. They'll prove it by their actions. I had a man in his 50s and his sister come to my office some six weeks ago. Their father had died. The young man was having difficulty with it. He said, my father never loved me. I had no relationship with him. He never loved me. And the sister sitting next to him in my office got out a notebook and she began to read this to her brother. She read one episode after another of how the father had shown love to both of them. She would read it and she she would say, do you remember this? She'd read it and say, do you remember when you got in trouble here, what Dad did? Do you remember when Dad was away at conferences and he'd come home? Do you remember what he would do when he'd come home, what he'd always have in his hands? We sat there for 20 minutes while she read a list of the evidence of how much their father had loved them. He ends up weeping and says to his sister, You've changed everything. You've given me peace about my dad. What evidence do you have? Are you angry because your wife died when she was 28 of breast cancer? Are you angry because of that accident where you slipped on the cliff, went down 20 feet? You didn't think God saved you as you grabbed a branch. All you thought about was your leg that was never the same. You say, perhaps, as this man did, he remembered two or three arguments he and his dad had where they didn't talk to each other for six months or a year That's what he was focusing on, not the hundred things his sister had written down. When you think about God, do you think about the cancer or the accident or the houses foreclosed on or you lost your job? Do you think about those things? Those are tiny events in your life. Do you think about all the other days when God's presence was there? When the evidence was there that that which just happened to you was not fate or good fortune, it had to have been God. There's no other explanation. They fell down and worshipped him. But some doubted. But not for long. May the same be said of you and I. Whatever doubts you have, you sit down like it says in Red Sea Rules. You sit down and start writing down the presence of God in your life. And if you want to write another column, put down the absence of God in my life.
the one side will so outweigh the other side that you'll leave and you'll say, as did Thomas, what was I thinking? My Lord and my God. And now you know why we sang a Christmas hymn during Advent. What child is this? And you and I know by the working of his Holy Spirit. In our Lord's name, amen. Heavenly Father, bless the promises that you deliver to your people. If our parents tell us something, if they tell us, you know, I love you, I love you, I love you, I'm watching out for you, we can either choose to believe them or we can choose not. If we choose to believe them, there's a lot more peace in our heart than otherwise. 7,000 promises God gives us in the Bible, and every time he gives a promise, he says, I love you. May your children embrace those words. And may the Spirit cause us to say, Amen, Lord, Amen. In our Savior's name, Amen.